you today? Good to be in the house with you. Love getting to celebrate baptism. You know, of all the things that I get to do as a pastor, baptism is my absolute favorite. It's my absolute favorite because of what it represents and the reminder that it is. You know, I've always thought about baptism as something that is so important for the person being baptized, and it is. But you know, it's also really important for us, the church family, to remember why it is that we do what we do, why it is that we're here, and that is, in fact, to grow the community of Christ one life at a time. It's a great, great thing. As we begin a time of teaching this morning, I want to ask you if you will just join me in a word of prayer as we go to God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, in this moment, we thank you for the beauty of this day. God, we thank you for the beauty and the power of a life changed by you for eternity. Father, we pray that you would use this time for your purposes. God, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would speak in spite of me and use this time in each of our lives, but also, God, in our life collectively as a family of faith, as a church body. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Love is a complicated emotion. I mean, it is deep, deep water. When you start trying to understand or explain love, when when we're young, we wonder, how, how do you know when you're in love? And if you ask your parents, they'll tell you the very, very truthful answer, you just know. And it is, in fact, very, very truthful. It's just not very, very helpful when you're trying to figure out what is love. It's an incredibly complex emotion, but it's a really, really simple verb. When you decide to love someone, whether that person is a child, a spouse, a parent, or just the person that you're checking out at the Walmart with, you made a conscious decision that really plays itself out fairly simply. Love helps, I think, in a lot of ways to simplify. Now, as soon as I say that, I do understand that when you think about the most profound love relationships in your life, a lot of times they simplify actually nothing. I think about the two greatest love priorities from a human perspective in my love would be Julie and our kids. Now, Julie being a part of my life, my life is richer, it is fuller, it is better, more than I could have ever asked or imagined. But I can't stand here today and tell you that it is simpler. I mean, when when I got married, I, I made the decision that for the rest of my life, I would be making a choice to consider the wants and the needs and the desires of another person, that what car to drive, where to eat, what movie to watch, what time to go to bed, all of it. You have to actually think about the other person. It's insanity. <laughs> and, and man, then if, if kids come along, we started out with, with Emily and Joe, and then God blessed us with bonus kids, Allie and Sylvie, and then Allie married Will. I mean, let me tell you something. Our quiver is full, baby, but it ain't simple in any way, shape, or form. We've got these young adults in our life now who are walking into their own lives and figuring things out, and we're still parenting. We just don't have any control anymore. 
How many of you are the parents of small children? Let me just see a show of hands. If your kids are, let's say, five and under. Can I just tell you, this is as easy as it's ever going to be. But you have the opportunity to, again, make the choice to love somebody. And last week, we began this new year. We began this teaching series with the idea of impact, that in this new year, we were going to see God and invite God to make the greatest impact in our lives and through our lives by celebrating, by cultivating little wins, the, the small beginnings, and making those things the priority because we understand the foundational fact that it is, in fact, the little things that add up to the big things over time. And today what I want to do is kind of pull the thread on something that we looked at last week, the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer was very, very direct. Matthew 22, 37 through 38, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So he answers very directly. Not a lot of wavering, no ifs, ands, or buts, no hedging his bets. He just kind of lays it out there and says, this is the big one. This is the one that if you will focus on this above all else, I will do something that you will not even be able to ask or imagine. You, you will live a life, as Derek mentioned earlier, the life that is full and abundant, the life that is truly life. And I want to suggest to you that to, to place God at the center of our affection, as the object of our deepest devotion, does in fact simplify and clarify and at the same time amplify and beautify every single part of life. Every part of life is impacted by this one decision to put God at the center of everything. I think it's important for us to understand why that is, I, I, wanna, I want us to get to the place where we're talking about how that happens, but, but right off the bat, I think we need to understand why is that? Why would Jesus say this is the most important commandment? It's because he understood that of all of the other things we could give our hearts to, all of the other things we could orient our lives and, and orbit around in this life, loving God with everything that we have is the only thing that will satisfy. It is the only thing that will fulfill the deepest needs of our soul. To, to illustrate this, let me, just, let me just mention to you some of the things that we sometimes do allow our lives to, to orbit around, if you will. Think about all of the things that we have to think about. Possessions, people, power, popularity, prestige, all of these things, which by the way, none of which are bad in and of themselves. Not a single one of those is negative. But I also want to point out the fact that not a single one of them can, can bear the weight of the greatest needs of our souls. 
not a single one of them, there's not another person in the world that can satisfy every need of your soul, every want, every desire that you may have. The only one who can satisfy that is God. And what ends up happening when we begin to orient our lives around those other things other than God, then because they can't bear the weight, they kind of start to crumble. And they, they kind of start to fall apart. If you've ever tried to build your life around pleasing another person, you, you've seen this happen. I mean, it, it is an enormous burden to place on another person. I can't tell you the number of couples that Julie and I have talked to over the years who had been married for a few years and had kind of gotten to that place where the new had worn off, the honeymoon was definitely over, and they were kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work. I think, I don't know. I know we'll have kids. That'll solve it all. And Julie and I process through this and we walk through this with them and we listen and then try to offer godly counsel while internally thinking to ourselves, <laughs> kids solve nothing. They're an incredible blessing, but they ain't a solution. You have to understand it is God and God alone. That's why in the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment, God says, you will have no other gods before me. Now think about that for a second. I remember when I was a kid growing up in church and vacation Bible school, and I would read that. I was like, man, God's kind of, is God being greedy here, telling me I will, that I have to worship him? No, remember what we've said. Remember the fact that even God's commandments are an expression of his love, of his grace, and his truth. They are commandments. They're not the 10 suggestions, but they are commandments given to us for his glory and our good. You see, God knows that if we choose to build our lives around anything other than him, it's not going to work. Turn to your neighbor and tell him right now with a smile on your face because you came to the early service on a cold, cold January morning, it ain't going to work. Now, I hope you were smiling because that's actually good news. To be aware of that, to be made aware of that reality, of that fact. And so when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with everything you have. Do you understand how that starts to, to strip away the clutter and the noise and the, just all of the stuff and the junk around us? When you start to home in and you start to really and truly engage with God in the way you were created to engage with him, the way I was created to engage with him, all of a sudden, all of these all of these other periphery issues move to the periphery. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. But it is about that priority. It is about, it is about affection and choosing to love God in every single thing that you do with every single thing that you have. That's why this works. That's why this simplifies and clarifies and amplifies and beautifies. It's because 
This is how God wired up the world. It's how he created us to find our greatest significance in relationship with him and in collaboration with him, in making everything that we do an expression of worship. Yes, when we gather together on the weekends and we sing and our, our voices ring off of the rafters, that's worship. That's, that's worship in song. But you worship. I have the opportunity to worship in everything that I do. Every single thing that I do is an opportunity for worship. So, how do you love God? I mean, where, where people are concerned, I, I can kind of hunt and peck and, and find my way, and, and their, their feedback, their reciprocation tells me if I'm on the right track or not. But how do you, how do you love God practically, functionally, day in and day out? How does that work itself out in the world? And I think our human relationships actually can be a guidepost to that. Obviously, we need to adapt, to adapt it a little bit. We're talking about loving a perfect and a holy, righteous God. But when we think about relationships, we, we begin to understand a little bit, I think, of, of what it is that God is inviting us into in this relationship. And so for the, the remainder, remainder of our time, I want to use the word love as a verb, not the emotion that's so complicated, the very simple verb, L-O-V-E, as a guidepost for us as we go through this. And if you've never been here before, sometimes we make this a little interactive, and I'll, you know, it's L-O-V-E, and I'm going to say, give me an L, and you're going to go, give me an L, with a smile and really, really loud, all right? So, give me an L. L. Very, very good. <laughs> L is listen, listen, listen to the direction and the leadership of God. Isn't it true in a human relationship, when, when you choose to love somebody, humanly speaking, don't we listen for understanding more than we speak to be understood? I remember one time Julie and I got in a, we got sideways early in our marriage I, I, this is a vivid memory for me. I remember we, we were not on the same page and we weren't clicking. And in a moment of frustration, I just said, tell me what I did wrong. Just tell me. And my young bride, Julie, said, if I have to tell you, that's a bigger problem than what you did. <laughs> I said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I understand what you're saying, and I believe you. But you remember, remember Lucy and Ricky Ricardo? Julie, you're going to have some splaining to do over the course of this marriage. I'm going to need you to explain some things to me because I promise you I'm not smart enough to get there on my own. I need you to articulate and spell it out. And in her grace and wisdom, Julie went, oh, okay. She, see, as a young bride, she thought I could figure it out. <laughs> Sweet, but wrong. You have to listen for understanding more than you speak to be understood. In a relationship with God, we listen to God. And we listen to God in prayer. We listen to God in prayer. Prayer is not just us telling God what we want or what we need or what we're worried about. It's also a listening. And I have to tell you this. 
I'm 55 years old. I've been following Christ for a, more than a minute. I have never heard the audible voice of God, but I have absolutely sensed God's leading when I have listened. There are times when I've been praying and I've asked God for direction. I've asked him for wisdom. When I have sensed him giving me certain thoughts that I know I wasn't smart enough to come up with on my own. That's, that's listening to God. Now, some people have heard the audible voice of God. I think that's great. I'm convinced it's James Earl Jones, but I don't know that. I don't have a verse to back that up. But listening to the leadership and direction of God. Look at Psalm 85.8. Psalm 85.8. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying. For he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Man, I can return to some foolish ways. Remember, remember way back 10 years ago when COVID first started? I, I remember I was glued to the news and the TV. I was anxious for information. I wanted to know what was going on. And as I watched, I started to sense my blood pressure rising exponentially. And finally, I figured out that they really didn't have a lot of news to offer. Depending on what news station I was watching, they were just trying to stir people up because stirring people up is what gets clicks and advertisers' dollars. Never forget that the news business is a business first. And if they can get to the news, great. And so I made the conscious decision way back, way back when COVID started. I was like, I'm going to check headlines maybe once a day. And I'm not even going to mess with cable news. I'm, I'm going to Smarter News and the Wall Street Journal, period. And I felt my blood pressure drop. At least one time in my life, I made a wise decision. But you know what? Just in the last three weeks since I got the COVIDs, since Omicron came up, I found myself going to the news and checking it out and looking at and went, whoa, 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 don't, don't take the bait. I was returning to my foolish ways. The Bible, said like a, the Bible says like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Cable news is dog vomit. <laughs> it is folly. Stay away from it, all of it, all of it. There's not a single channel worth your time. Check the news. Know what's going on. We, we saw on the news last night a hostage situation at a temple in Colleyville, Texas. Thank God we could be praying for those people and they were released unharmed. Yay, God, that's a good thing. But you have to make sure that you're listening to God. You listen for the direction and the leadership of God. Listen. Man, I've noticed as a husband, the more I listen, the better things go. Listen. Listen. L. O. Give me an O. o. Open. Open. Open your heart and your mind to the wisdom of God. 
So much of what we read in Scripture is God's wisdom for us. But so many times we're looking for loopholes. So many times when we've, when we've forgotten that he's given us the Bible as a gift, as an expression of his grace. So everything that is in the Bible is there for our good and his glory. So the more I open my mind to the wisdom, my heart to the wisdom of God, the better off I'll be. Proverbs chapter two. Proverbs chapter two says, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Whoa. The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is a double-edged sword. The knowledge of God is an understanding of who he is and knowing him intimately and relationally. But it's also a grasping of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. We're listening for it, but we're also opening up our hearts and our minds to that wisdom, to make that a part of our lives. Anytime somebody ever makes the time to say, hey, pastor, how can I pray for you? First of all, I'm just kind of like, Thank you so much. My second answer, wisdom. Wisdom. The greatest need in our world today, the greatest need in our families, the greatest need in our homes is the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I love what it says, make your ear attentive to, incline your heart to understanding. That means that we are working on the posture of receptivity. We're working on inclining our hearts and asking God. The book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God who richly gives every good and perfect gift. Let me ask you a question. And if you want to raise your hand, feel free. Does anybody in the room need more wisdom than you currently have? A couple of you are a little slow. We all do. We all do. What a time to be alive. God has chosen this time for you and me. He's chosen you and me for this time. And so in his wisdom... We get to be the salt and the light of the world. But in order to be salt and light, we're going to have to have wisdom and understanding. So open your heart. Listen to the leadership and the direction of God. Open your mind and your heart. V. Give me a V. Right. Validate. Validate your love of God. Validate your love of God. How many of you have ever been to the Yeti store downtown? Can you see this, show hands? If you've never, this is, this is a, an incredible, an incredible retail outlet. I have never seen an expression of vision, values, creativity, 
architecture, design come together like they do at the Yeti store downtown Austin. It's, it's um, the Yeti flagship store. It's an amazing thing. You ought to just go, even if you don't need a cooler. If you don't have $3,000, just go and look around anyway. <laughs> but when you get there, you're going to be looking for a parking spot. It's downtown Austin. <laughs> you have to park next door in the Hilton parking garage. Now, when you park in the Hilton parking garage, the nice people at the Yeti checkout counter will give you validation for your parking. They'll give you a little ticket that says, yes, Mac did, in fact, come into the Yeti store, and so we'll pay his parking. It's validation. See, the people in the Hilton parking garage won't just take my word for it. Well, I was in the Yeti store. They don't know. I could have been on SoCo. I could have been down. I, just no telling. I have to have that thing that validates my claim. Jesus was very, very, very direct about how we validate our claim to love him. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. I mean, that's pretty simple. Again, how many times do we want to argue with the commandments of God? Certainly not on Sunday morning in church, but privately. Maybe over an espresso during the week somewhere. Validate your claim by obeying the commandments of God. If you love me, obey my commandments. Period. Hard stop. That's how you validate your claim. Now, obeying God does not make God love you. God already loves you. God already loves you as is. And he loves you too much to leave you there. God loves you, he loves me unconditionally, perfectly. And we know this because he gave us his son, Jesus. That's the most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the world is you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him would never die, but would have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, believing in God means loving God, and loving God means keeping his commandments. It means being obedient. Just do the next right thing. So listen, open, validate. E, let's finish strong. Give me an E. E. Now this one will surprise you. Enjoy. Enjoy God. Have you ever loved somebody that you didn't enjoy? That's hard to do. It's kind of like, it's hard to say the word smile without smiling. It's hard to love somebody that you don't enjoy. But to enjoy God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. To enjoy God. 
Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Take delight. That, that tells me that it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is a choice to take delight in the Lord. To choose delight in him over everything else that the world has to offer. To take delight. I'm going to tell you a very sad story. It's very short. Julie's out of town. It's sad. She's been out of town now for several days. She went back to Mississippi, the mother country, to celebrate her dad's 75th birthday. And when she proposed this to me, I, I was excited for her. I thought that'll be great. You know, it's just the, really the second or third Sunday of the new year. I'm not going to take off a Sunday, but tell your dad I said happy birthday and have a ball. I'm excited that you get to go. You know, when Julie leaves town, my excitement for her, being able to relax and unwind and unplug, typically lasts about 36 hours. I eat what I feel like, when I feel like. I watched James Bond this weekend. She doesn't like James Bond. But I got to tell you, right now, it's time for Julie to come home. <laughs> I've had enough of this nonsense. And even after 30 plus years of marriage, when she pulls in the driveway tomorrow afternoon, man, I, I can tell you, I will get that little quiver in my liver. There, there will be some, I'll be like fired up house will be clean, dogs will be sitting at the top step, because I, I made a decision a long, long time ago, I was going to enjoy my wife, I would take delight, every single one of us has a choice to make about taking delight in the Lord, will you choose Delight. Will you choose to enjoy God? L-O-V-E. Listen, open, validate, enjoy. It's love. I remember when Julie was pregnant with Emily, a very wise member of the church we were a part of at the time, said, I don't have a lot of advice for you, but I do want to tell you this. Loving your kids will be the greatest gift that you give them and pointing them towards a relationship with Christ. Julie and I were like, amen, brother. But he said, I want to tell you how to spell love. All right. He says, where your kids are concerned and really in any relationship at all, love is spelled T. I-M-E. Time. No one loves well in a hurry. 
You want to love God? Give him your time. This week, I want to challenge you to make time to love God. Make time in your day, every day, this week. We got seven days. Make time and pray through this guidebook. Love. Listen. Open your heart. Incline your heart to wisdom. Validate your claim to love God by obeying him. But also take delight. Enjoy God. In your time with God, tell him why you enjoy him. Tell him what you think about him is so enjoyable. Also, you heard it mentioned earlier in the service, if you've never taken Pastor Terry's class, it's personal, next Sunday night you need to be here. How to have a time with God every day. What that looks like. How to structure that. How to schedule that. How to enjoy that. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. You know what Romans chapter 5 tells us? At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time. The right moment in history. The right moment in time. Jesus stepped into our space and our time as one of us. If you're here today and you've never responded to his grace initiative, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. I wonder if maybe today isn't just the right time for you. No matter why you're here, why you came, I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And as we bow our heads, is a sign of reverence, of respect. If you've never stepped into a relationship with God, we invite you to do it right now. To pray a prayer of beginning, a prayer of commitment, and yeah, a prayer of submission, surrendering to the only one who will never take advantage of your surrender. the one who has already surrendered his life for yours. If that's you in this moment, then we invite you to pray something like this. Just silently talk to God. And in your own words, say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. All of it, holding nothing back. so that I might claim and receive your forgiveness. And Jesus, in exchange for your life to me, I will give my life to you.
I will follow you from this moment forward with everything that I have. And I pray this prayer in your name. If you would, I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment. But it's a sacred moment. And I want you to know if that was your prayer, then this is the biggest moment of your life. At just the right time. And as a church family, we want to help with the moments that follow. We want to come alongside and help. We want to learn from you. And so I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. Number one, if you would, just let us know that you made that commitment, that decision. You can use the QR code that's in that card on the seat back in front of you. Or if you want to, if you want to fill that out and hand it to someone at the hub on your way out, that's cool too. But however you choose to do it, we just want to know how we can help. And that's the best way to begin a, a conversation, a dialogue that proceeds at whatever pace works for you. But don't leave this moment here at this moment. Grow with it. Build on it. Second thing I would ask of you is, as our heads are bowed for just another moment, if you did pray that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high in the air for a moment as a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made. And know that as a family, we celebrate that with you. And as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together just to tell you welcome home. Welcome home.